Welcome to the Weekly Review. It is November 6th, 2015, and here to bring you the news, which today will hopefully be a little bit less depressing, but we're still going to play some music, which may be depressing. Uh, it was just election day here earlier this week, and uh, things didn't quite go so well here in San Francisco as we would have hoped. There were some some positive things, though, and uh, so there's always a lot of depressing things going on and frustrating and enraging things that have been going on for quite a long time here, and... Uh, it's great to report on that just to bear witness to what's going on. And there's also positive things that happen. Now, granted, I've, I've noticed on the show and folks, if, you know, if you pay attention, uh, sometimes these, these happy news stories or surprisingly good news stories uh, whole, only happen when there is preventative measures or some, someone's doing something negative and, it, and, it, and it's stopped. And we celebrate that. Or something that should have al- always been accessible or available, for instance, I don't know, people wanting to marry each other who want to, or access to cannabis or other medications, uh, things that should have always been available to people that were not, and then now they are. So that's something positive, even though if you know, if a lot of us had our way, these things would have never been prohibited in the first place. However, it's really important to celebrate these, these milestones and these victories. Um, someone might, might say that they're minor, and yeah, there's so many, there's so much going on, there's so many struggles going on. And uh, there are a lot of people, though, doing a lot of good work, so it's important to recognize that and to celebrate when good things happen or when bad things don't happen. I think that's just as just as great. And I know depression's been going all around for a lot of folks, myself included, so wanted to make sure that uh, we recognize the positive things that are happening and, the, and things that are ways in which people are working to make things a little bit better and prevent bad things from happening. So I'll go into the first story, and usually I like to start off with the more local things first. However, this one is about the environment, and that's it's uh, that affects absolutely everybody. So I wanted to talk about that first. And this comes from Mother, Mother Jones. And uh, here's what you need to know about President Obama's decision to reject the Keystone XL pipeline. Now, a lot of folks have been working on this for quite a long time, and it's great that... Uh, this is going to, they're going to put a stop to this right now. So this is from Mother Jones, and the author of the article is Tim McDonald, and this came out uh, today. Uh, in this year's biggest victory for environmentalists, and I would add to that everyone who lives on planet Earth, because uh, we've got to protect this planet, which we've polluted, uh, Anyway, uh, President Barack Obama announced Friday that he will reject an application from Canadian company TransCanada, which I think is a disgrace to everything known as trans, uh, to construct the Keystone XL pipeline. The pipeline, which would allow crude oil from Canada's oil sands to reach ports and refineries in the U.S., has been a major controversy for Obama ever since he took office. The White House spent years deliberating on the issue. During that time, environmental groups accused Obama of not backing up his rhetoric on climate change with real action, and Republicans in Congress accused him of blocking a job-creating infrastructure project. In his announcement today, the president said the State Department's analysis had shown the pipeline would not significantly benefit the U.S. economy. I, I would say that the main issue should be destroying the earth. That should be our main concern, because we 
who cares about the economy if we don't have a place to live? Anyway, uh, the State Department has de- has decided that the Keystone XL pipeline would not serve the national interests of the United States. I agree with that decision, Obama said. The timing of the announcement is significant as it comes just weeks before the beginning of major international climate negotiations in Paris. Obama's decision will reverberate with other countries and sends a strong message that the United States is serious about taking action to stop climate change, said Jennifer Morgan, director of the Global Climate Program at the World Resources Institute. Obama said that pipeline had been given an overinflated role in the political discourse by both its supporters and detractors. Still, he framed his decision as a key element of his climate legacy. America is now a global leader when it comes to taking serious action to fight climate change, he said. Today, we continue to lead by example. So, that is something positive, right? Uh, That's good. Just saying no. Saying no to to bad things. I think that's very, very important. Um, So, moving along, we will get to the election. And there there was... uh, uh, Oh, there, there's a lot to say about it, certainly, and I'm definitely of the. I do subscribe. To, there's there there is the a lot of conflicting uh, ideas about elections. Certainly, there is the idea that if uh, if voting changed anything, they would make it illegal, and there's also the idea that many people have had fought and were beaten and uh, killed for just trying to be able to get the opportunity to vote. So there's knowing the the struggle and the history behind that. And also voter suppression, which is still happening in this country, and having the opportunity to vote, which is not a, which is not an option for people, um, depending on where people live and who people are. So I feel very conflicted about it and uh, very much wanting the systems that are in place to change and to create something new. And then also... I have a lot of respect for folks who do decide to work within the system to make it better, who people who have good ideas and are really um, really working for the for the good of the, the greater good for people who like are like that and there are folks like that out there who throw their hat in the ring who work tirelessly to do that i I commend them so I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it certainly, and uh, I was still kind of down on Wednesday after the election uh, the we had three of the candidates who are running for mayor. We had Amy Farrah Weiss, Francisco Herrera, and Stuart Shuffman on the program a few months ago. And they put out, considering there were folks who did not have much of a following um, before the election, and they were not folks within the current uh, political spectrum, I would say, uh, they did a kick-ass job. They went out and they worked really hard, and they got a shit ton of votes, considering they don't have the same kind of connections and capital that uh, Ed Lee has. So they, they did give him a run for their money, for his money, even though he ended up, w- they're still counting the votes. So there's always that, you never know, because they got, got until today for them to count all the votes because people were able to send in their ballots. However, uh, they put up a really strong fight, and I, not just they, but all the folks who are out there getting the word out. Um, it was a really a, quite a a coalition of folks and there's a, a page on Facebook called 123 replace Ed Lee and that's continued to be a, a board to discuss ways in which to hold the mayor and Ron Conway and all those folks accountable for what they've done to the city. So this article comes from 48 Hills and a big thing is that this SF Chronicle and SF Weekly were pretty much paid to say that, especially the Chronicle was paid to say that Ed Lee was running unopposed, which is a fucking lie. If you're a journalist, I mean, Jesus, you know, tell the truth. However, they, um, Amy Farrah Weiss talked to the people at, at 
SF Weekly, and they admitted, oh, yeah, well, you kind of get what you pay for in elections, and I guess with a, and a lot of things in this world. And if you have connections to, to media, they're going to they're gonna spin things a certain way and even lie about what the possibilities are. So that, you know, the, the contenders were definitely coming at it with a disadvantage. So there is 48 Hills. Uh, the Guardian went away, and it's still, they've kind of put a, a brief page article up um, in preparation for the election to uh, talk about folks that they were recommending and endorsing. And it's a shame that there's not as much independent media anymore to to, to tell what's what's actually going on. So, and that might be talking about TV stations too, who also were playing all these like anti-prop F, anti-prop I ads. Uh, Airbnb spent a shit ton of money. I'll get into it in the article. However, it's uh, money continues to to push people's buttons and to get people who are not really helping things uh, into office, which is really problematic. But there is hope. I promised a positive show, and I'm going to try to deliver. So this article comes from 48 Hills, and it was written uh, by Tim Redmond. Peskin wins in a terrible night for Ed Lee. So even though he got elected, it still things did not go as he planned. So things, not everything is lost. Mayor's candidate beaten in District 3. Mayor wins with a stunningly small majority against a group of unknown opponents. Hmm. All right, this came out November 3rd. Aaron Peskin was in thank you mode long before all the ballots were counted. At a little before 10 p.m., he was thanking his campaign team, his volunteers, his supporters, his wife, his parents, and reminding a crowd at Club Fugazi so packed that the line ran well out the door that... This isn't about putting me back in City Hall. It's about putting you back in City Hall. Already, with just the absentees and a few election day votes counted, it was clear Mayor Ed Lee's appointee was losing. Badly. An hour earlier, oops, (laughs) an hour later, with all the precincts counted, Peskin had 53% of the vote, with Christensen at 43%. Wilma Pang had about 4%. That means the city's ranked choice voting program won't matter. Peskin has more than the majority he needs to win the election. It was a stunning defeat for Mayor Ed Lee and his allies, who spent immense amounts of time and money trying to keep Christensen in office. And it wasn't the only shocker for Mayor Lee, uh, as expected, won the election, but with only 56% of the vote. Lee's opponents had essentially no money, none had ever run for political office before, and they were unknown to most of the voters. But together, they got 44% of the vote. That's incredible. When Tom Amiano, who will be on the program next week, very excited about that, when Tom Amiano, a school board member and president of the Board of Supervisors, took on Willie Brown in a serious campaign that forced the incumbent to work hard, Brown did better than Lee did tonight. The fact that a group of candidates who frankly came out of nowhere kept Lee below that number and close to the level where RCV would have come into play shows that deep discontent this city has with its leader. The anybody but Lee vote was enough to indicate that if a major contender had challenged the mayor, he or she might have won. So even though the Chronicle had already announced before the votes were counted that Lee had a mandate the voters told a very different story. If a sitting mayor with no serious opposition can't get above 60%, it's a sign of a very serious weakness, one longtime political observer at the Peskin event told me. 
The D3 event, the, D, the D3 result is also a sign that the city is sick of having tech lords like Ron Conway call the shots. The mayor, it's now clear, made a big mistake by appointing Christensen to the board seat instead of Cindy Wu, a planning commissioner and community activist who would have easily won re-election. There are lots of theories about why the mayor went back on what many say had been a promise and refused to appoint Wu. But the one that makes the most sense to me is that Conway didn't want her. Wu voted on the planning commission to more tightly regulate Airbnb, one of Conway's companies. That led to a major rift in the mayor's political alliance, with Rose Pack, who had long been Lee's biggest cheerleader, siding with Peskin. In fact, Chinatown, where Lee is said to be immensely popular, was a major factor in Peskin's win. We could not have done this without Chinatown, he said. The mayor will take credit, as he should, for the victory of Prop A, the affordable housing bond. It's hard to get 66% for any bond measure, and this one won easily. But he will now face a board of supervisors, five members of which supported Peskin, who will be the sixth vote to change the majority on the board. That's critical, because the other progressive measures, particularly Props F and I, went down in a tsunami of Airbnb and developer money. That's not a surprise. When Airbnb threw more than $8 million into the No on F campaign, everyone figured it would be hard to beat. And the real estate industry spent a vast amount to try to stop a temporary moratorium on market rate housing in the mission. But now everything is different. The neighborhood and tenant groups who want to better regulate Airbnb will now be able to bring the essence of their measure, enforcement, to the supervisors and get six votes. Land use in the mission will no longer be a hopeless cause at City Hall. So the mayor lost big tonight, and if he wants to have any success in his, new ter in his next term, he has to recognize that a sizable percentage of the city, probably a majority, is deeply unhappy with what he has done to San Francisco. So there you have it. Some positive, a positive outlook and the fact that Peskin was voted in. Uh, so not, not all is lost. And I think that's really great to remember. So uh, my birthday is coming up. And I feel complicated about birthdays. It's weird. I don't like holidays in general and the idea of one day to uh, – it's complicated. Uh, I guess there's always that idea, oh, it's a one day to do whatever you want, which could be every, actually every day. Um, however, there was an article posted recently on Rolling Stone about the top ten Peter Gabriel songs. And Peter Gabriel is one of my favorite artists for sure. So I thought, why not play all Peter Gabriel songs today? So open up the, 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 the show with Santa Sinto, and then we'll be moving along. So the next one I'm going to play is Red Rain which opened up, uh, so, San Jacinto was the opening track off uh, his fourth album, Security. His first four albums are all self-titled, and they have different names. Uh, you know, just so you can identify them as such. Anyway, Red Rain was the opening, is, which I will be playing, is the opening track of uh, So, his album from 1986, which is just incredible. So, listening to that, and then back with some more, hopefully some positive news stories. All righty. And uh, as we get this started, um, what else is going on? Nope, having some difficulties here. Uh, uh, 
with the uh, getting the music playing. So I'll continue on on chatting until we get that. It's so the election uh, went to El Rio. Um, there was a, a kind of an after party there on election night, and Tom Temperano, who was running for the college board supervisor, spoke as well as David Campos, as well as uh, Tom Amiano, and it was very kind of reassuring to to see that even though Tom uh, Temperano did not win, uh, there was still this talk of keep on keeping on and keeping on working on it to perhaps uh, get it the, the next time. So that's good. We're having some issues here with the, uh, with the music playing. Um, so I might just go into the next story. That's kind of frustrating. All right, so I'm gonna go into the next story since we can't get the music to play. And um, this is going to be, uh, let's see. Religious kids are harsher and less generous than atheist ones, study says. And uh, that's, that's something else. Uh, there's, uh, it's difficult to grow up in a world where uh, certain folks uh, assume that they're better than others. And uh, there's a lot of wars kind of fought uh, over religion. And a lot of violence happens because of that. And um, uh, yeah, so actually, I'm gonna play some music in the background right now uh, while I read the news stories because that's what we're <laughs> that's what we're we're about. All right, so religious kids are harsher and less generous than atheist ones, study says. And this comes from the uh, Oregonian, and the author of this article is Melissa Binder. Uh, when it comes to teaching kids the golden rule, Sunday school might not be the best bet. A new study in the journal Current Biology found children in religious households are significantly less generous than their non-religious peers. At the same time, religious parents were more likely than non-religious ones to consider their children empath empathetic and sensitive to the plight of others. It's a common assumption in the United States that faith goes hand in hand with goodness. The Pew Research Center reported last year that 53% of Americans think it's necessary to believe in God to be moral. And I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, Americans overwhelmingly elect Christian representatives, and they distrust atheists. This study challenges those attitudes. It was the children in non-religious homes most likely to be generous towards a stranger. The longer a child had lived in a religious home, the stingier he was compared to his secular peers. Here's how the study worked. Researchers asked kids to play a game which required them to decide how many stickers to share with an anonymous peer from the same school and similar ethnic group. In their report, the researchers noted it was important for the anonymous stranger to be similar to the child so that other biases didn't get in the way. Researchers also measured how children perceived interpersonal harm and what degree of punishment they thought was appropriate. Religious children judged others' actions as meaner and more deserving of punishment than kids in secular homes. The study concluded that in this way, religious children tend to come across as more judgmental while also being less altruistic. Nearly 1,200 children from the U.S., Canada, Jordan, Turkey, South Africa, and China participated. Most of the kids came from Christian, Muslim, or non-religious households, with a small number from Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, and agnostic homes. Their ages ranged from 5 to 12. So when we think about wars, and a lot of wars being fought uh, over land and whatnot, 
uh, and how religion comes into it and this idea of, you know, fight folks fighting for, uh, this idea of, you know, what they think is theirs. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty problematic. I'm going to use that word. I use that word a lot. A lot of folks use that word. And, uh, I think it's, it's quite true. So I'm kind of disappointed we can't get the music now, but we'll just have to have it in the background, and that's that's how we gotta go. Gotta adapt to things when things don't go our way, I suppose. So moving on to the next story, and this will be similar, I guess, to the the last one. This is from Al Jazeera. Israeli hummus cafe gives Jewish Arab tables half off. Owner offers free refill to Jews and Palestinian guests dining together to show that we're all human beings. And this is written by uh, Casa Wickstrom. Wickstrom. And this came out October 20th, 2015. A hummus cafe in Israel is giving a 50% discount to tables mixing Jewish and Arab diners. In a campaign, the owner hopes will bring people together as dozens of people have been killed in Israeli-Palestinian violence this month. Kobe Tzafrir, the owner of Hummus Bar in the town of Kfar Vitkin, initially posted the offer on Facebook. With us, we don't have Arabs, but we also don't have Jews. With us, we've got human beings, real excellent Arab hummus, excellent Jewish falafel. The post, which by Monday evening had been shared more than 1,000 times, read, Tzafrir told Al Jazeera he wanted to show that there are a lot of Arabs and Jews who are not taking part in the violent events reported in the media. We want to show that we're all human beings, just like each other, not so different, he said over the phone. Safrir said at least three tables took up the offer of discounted chickpea paste on Monday. But there were more mixed tables, he said, with some customers turning down the offer to pay less, instead paying the full price to support the initiative. Even before the offer, Arab guests would come to the cafe from Palestinian towns near Kfar Vitkin. A lot of customers now say they have seen the post and they tell me they've come to support the idea some arabs come with jewish friends some jewish families come alone they're all saying good things in the facebook post safrir said the offer with a free refill for every serving of hummus whether you're arab jewish christian indian etc would be valid for a few days but after the positive response he received from guests and online he is now considering to keep the discount maybe forever at least 44 Palestinians and 8 Israelis have been killed. And I'm going to update this. Now it's uh, 48 Palestinians and 10 Israelis uh, who have been killed since violence broke out in the beginning of the month of this month over Israeli incursions uh, into Al-Aqsa Mosque compound, Islam's third holiest place. Israel's continued Jewish-only settlements in defiance of international laws have further angered Palestinians. Palestinian citizens of Israel comp comp comprise nearly 20% of the population, but according to Adalah, a Haifa-based legal center, they are targeted by more than 50 laws that muzzle their political expression and limit their access to state resources. So um, here's one example of people in tumultuous situations trying to make things better for everyone and recognizing that the violent acts of few are not uh, true of all. <sighs> So, I'm trying to get the music back on, and that's still having some issues with that, which is quite sad. All right. So, I'm going to move on to the next story. Let's be a lot of stories today. That's that's how it will be. And we'll have some Peter Gabriel in the background, which may be inappropriate, but you know what? A lot of things are inappropriate. And overall, uh, it's pretty good. So, let's see. So, going on to the next story. Um, how about... Here's a, here's a positive thing, and I'm going to turn down the music for this one. It's going to be... Uh, 
Oh man, I can't hear the uh having difficulty getting the uh uh the chord working here, so I can't quite play this. That's a shame. Alright, so I'll see if I can play this quite loudly. Alright, so there I, I it's really difficult when you have people in positions of power who are saying really hateful things, and it's great when people speak up about it. Especially kids. So I'm gonna play a uh this is uh there is a, an organization here. Uh, it's uh, Deport Racism 2016. And it's uh, called Trashing Trump Latino Kids Pound Racism Like a Pinata. So I'm going to play this and then I'll be back. Screaming, get out of my country. Republicans use offensive words. So here's a few of our own. Fuck you, racist fuck. Don't mind the, uh, we are having some serious, uh, issues today with technology, as, as happens. So, we're gonna get back into this, and here we go. I'm Ricardo. My friends call me Rick, but you keep calling me Anchor Baby? Wow. Racist dick? When you say Mexican immigrant, are rapists, murderers, drug dealers? You know it's racist codes for words like Spicks, wetbags, and be nurse? And you have a Speaking Mexican in this nation? Um, it's Spanish, idiota. Maybe a little less hairspray and more education? Millions of working Latinos would be deported. If you get your loco, way, pendejo, if you're in the White House for America, it would be nothing but bad hair days. Yo, Trump, you may be high in the polls. Thanks to paint your racist suckers, but you're all going to have to come from me. If you try to deport my abuelita, motherfucker. You see, the Constitution makes me a citizen. And you hate that because I'm brown. And you say you're a patriot? But you want to tear the Bill of Rights down. I'm an American. Born in the USA. This is my home. You can't take my rights away. If you don't like our Constitution and what it stands for, get the fuck out of my country. There's the door. It's a 2016 presidential election. Get a t-shirt or a bumper sticker and get involved with the hashtag DeportRacism2016 movement. At DeportRacism.com. You don't have to be Latino to get involved, you know? Donald Trump piñata. No, 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 kids. Trump is full of nothing sweet. This racist bullshit. Share this video if you're fed up with it. And nothing makes me happier than hearing a bunch of kids tell Donald Trump to go suck it. I think that's that definitely made my day. All right. So moving on, um, we're going to go on to some great things that are happening in Mexico. And that is Mexico's Supreme Court declares individuals have the right to consume and cultivate marijuana. Landmark case could pave the way for marijuana legalization. And this is from the Drug Policy Alliance. This press release came out on November 4th, 2015. Today, in a four to one vote, Mexico's Supreme Court ruled that the prohibition of the consumption and cultivation of marijuana for personal use is unconstitutional. 
the court determined that the prohibition of the consumption of marijuana and its cultivation for non-commercial ends violates the human right to the free development of one's personality. This landmark case could lead to the legalization of marijuana for recreational purposes if followed up with leg legislation. This vote by Mexico's Supreme Court is extraordinary for two reasons. It is being argued on human rights grounds, and it is taking place in one of the, one of the countries that has suffered the most from the war on drugs, said Hannah Hetzer, senior policy manager of the Americas at the Drug Policy Alliance. Uruguay became the first country to legalize marijuana. Canada is expected soon to follow suit. Medical marijuana initiatives are spreading throughout Latin America and the Caribbean, and marijuana is legal in a number of U.S. states. Now, with this landmark decision out of Mexico, it is clear that the Americas are leading the world in marijuana reform. The public debate on marijuana has surged in Mexico in recent months since the case of an eight-year-old girl with epilepsy who became Mexico's first medical marijuana patient made national and international headlines. The government granted the right to import and administer a cannabis-based treatment for the young patient. Marijuana reform has gained unprecedented momentum throughout the Americas. In the United States, Colorado, Washington, Alaska, Oregon, and Washington, D.C. have legalized marijuana for adults. In December 2013, Uruguay became the first country in the world to legally regulate marijuana. In Canada, the new Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, and his Liberal Party have promised to legalize marijuana. There are currently medical marijuana legalization bills being debated in Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, and Mexico. So again, some good news. Some good news. Trying to make up for last week when it was just ooh, a lot of a lot of brutal stuff. So there are some good things happening, and that's that's quite great. All right, moving along. Next, this uh, it's kind of a it's kind of depressing. However, it's the truth of what's going on, and I think the exposure of it is a good thing. So positive, right? So we live in a very violent culture, certainly, and this country is. Uh, really into the military. There's a lot of funding that goes into the military, too much, uh, in my opinion. And uh, this article really just kind of describes uh, the amount of money, kind of like the election we we're just talking about, how money can uh, push things not exactly in the way that folks want things to be. And people will use money uh, for speech, and that's problematic. Use that word again. So this comes from uh, readersupportednews.org, and the title of the article is Pentagon paid sports teams millions for paid patriotism events. And this is written by Ader Peralta. It's from NPR. And this came out November 5th, 2015. Uh, in the past few years, the Pentagon spent $6.8 million to pay for patriotic displays during the games of professional sports teams. That's according to a joint oversight report released by Arizona Re Republican Senators John Flake and John McCain on Wednesday. The senators found that since 2012, the Pentagon has signed 72 contracts with teams in the National Football League, Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, and Major League Soccer that accounted to paid pa that amounted to paid patriotism. Hmm. I guess the NBA is not in there. Cool. All right. For example, taxpayers paid $49,000 to the Milwaukee Brewers to allow the Wisconsin Army National Guard to sponsor the Sunday, si Sunday singing of God Bless America. 
In another contract, the New York Jets were paid $20,000 to recognize one to two New Jersey Army National Guard soldiers as hometown heroes. USA Today reports that NFL teams received the biggest slice of the pie, $6 million, according to the report. The newspaper adds, the Atlanta Falcons received $879,000, the New England Patriots $700,000, and the Buffalo Bills $650,000. The Atlanta Braves Braves received $450,000, the most of any Major League Baseball franchise, while the Minnesota Wild were paid $570,000, the most of any National Hockey League team. The Atlanta contracts included a 2013 event during which a roaring crowd cheered as the Falcons welcomed 80 guard members who unfurled an American flag across the Georgia Dome's turf. In memos, in memos, <laughs> in memos included in the report, the Pentagon said the payments were part of its recruitment campaigns, but it has since banned the practice. And according to Flake, the NFL has called on its teams to stop taking money for patriotic salutes. Americans across the country should be deeply disappointed that many of the ceremonies honoring troops at professional sporting events are not actually being conducted out of a sense of patriotism, but for profit in the form of millions in taxpayer dollars going from the Department of Defense to wealthy pro sports franchises, McCain said in a statement. Fans should have confidence that their hometown heroes are being honored because of their honorable military service, not as a marketing ploy. Uh, Now... And I, I know there's always that thing of, like, don't read the comments. However, there's some g- good comments on this thread, and then a lot of that goes to, if you have this money, why not support veterans who are in desperate need of health care and housing? If you have that money for veterans, instead of recruiting more folks, why not give that to help out the folks who have, uh, who are in desperate need of health care? So, yeah. So, again, it's uh, this has been going on for a long time in, in many forms. So... Uh, yeah, truth to power. That's that's pretty great. So without the music, we're going here pretty fast. It's only twelve thirty nine. Going through all these stories real fast. And uh, up next, I think I kind of just ran through all of them right now. So let's see. While we try to get the music back on, uh, I'm gonna try a few more things, and we can talk here about uh, San Francisco. Uh, not sure. Uh, what else to uh? Oh got the music back. So here's Games Without Frontiers, and we'll be back with some more stories. Probably will in games without frontiers. Oh. 
Gabriel again. Uh, that was with Kate Bush, Games Without Frontiers, which uh, quite apropos, uh, works out quite well. Uh, after reading the story about the military spending to tell more people to join the military, uh, money, money, money. All right. Speaking of things that are well, this is okay. What's a good segue? How about ugh, positive? I can't make a segue. That's fine. This is from Al Jazeera and Nepal elects first female president. Yeah, it would have been difficult to get a, a segue to, to, to get this, but I wanted to re- read the story last week and didn't get a chance to, so I'm glad I'm able to this week. All right, so Nepal elects first female president, poll victory of women's rights campaigner Bidya Devi Bandhan, seen as cultural shift in male-dominated Nepal politics. And this came out on October 29th. Okay. Nepalese politicians have elected a longtime women's rights campaigner to become the country's first female president as the Himalayan nation pushes for more gender equality in politics and work life. Bidya Devi Bandhan, the 54-year-old deputy leader of Nepal's Communist Party of Nepal Unified Marxist-Leninist, has lobbied actively for the new constitution to require that either the president or vice president be a woman. 
Nepal has been trying to shift from a traditionally male-dominated society where women are mostly limited to working at homes or on farms to one in which women have equal access and opportunities and legal rights. Politicians cheered as Bandan's name was announced as the new president on Wednesday, the AP News Agency reported. An ally and party colleague of Prime Minister Khadga Prasad Ali, uh, Brendan had been considered his, the favorite for the largely ceremonial job. Um, Bandari said her election uh, by a vote of 327 to 214 against Congress party leader Kul Bahadur Gurung marked a first step toward assuring the new constitutional guarantees of equality are fulfilled. The Constitution, adopted last month, also requires that one-third of the country's members of Parliament be women, and that women be included in all government committees. I wonder if America could do that. Um, and last week, Ansari Garti was elected as the, county's, as the country's first female Parliament Speaker. Bandari had been a leading political figure since 1993 when her late husband, Communist Party Madan Bandari, was killed in a car accident. She led demonstrations against the former king, uh, Gyandra, in 2006, helping drive the country toward ending his authoritarian rule and restoring democracy. Bandari is Nepal's second president since then. She replaces President Ram Baran Yadav, who was elected in 2008 for a two-year term that was extended when efforts to draft a new constitution stalled over seven years. All right, so this came from the, came from the AP. So again, some positive positive news, and in which case, uh, the the side of voting, uh, the side of things getting better and actually making a difference. Uh, this sounds like great news for Nepal. So that's awesome, and congratulations. Okay, moving along. Uh, here's some. Okay, uh, it's people taken back. People taking back what's theirs, in a way. All right, so this comes from the antimedia.org. Arson suspected in massive fire at Monsanto Research Facility. This is written by John Vibes, and this came out October 30th in Maryland. That's where the article is written. Uh, earlier this week, a Monsanto research facility in France was burned to the ground. Monsanto and investigators suspect an arsonist was responsible for the blaze. Monsanto representative Jacob Witten told Reuters that investigators strongly suspect it was a crime as no electrical or other sources were found. And also Monsanto is an evil company. All right. He added that no Monsanto sites in Europe have so far been the victim of fires of criminal origin. This is unprecedented violence. The fire had multiple points of origin, meaning it is unlikely the fire was caused by an electrical malfunction or other natural causes. Investigators also noticed a strong smell of gasoline in different areas of the site. France announced in June that it was banning sales of Roundup, Monsanto's flagship herbicide, amid public pressure and the World Health Organization's announcement that the product is probably carcinogenic. Further, last month, the country announced it was strengthening its ban on genetically modified crops. Monsanto is one of the most hated corporations on the planet and faces particularly strong resistance in France. If the fire is confirmed to have been arson, it is possible this vociferous uh, opposition might have been a motivating factor. Nevertheless, the recent fire is merely the tip of the iceberg with regard to Monsanto's recent problems. The company recently moved to close three different research facilities to save money in the face of declining profits. 
As Reuters reported last week, Monsanto Research Centers in Middleton, Wisconsin, Mystic, Connecticut, and Research Triangle Park, North Carolina, will soon be closed to cut costs. Last month, the infamous company announced it would be cutting 2,600 jobs, 12% of its workforce, in order to lower costs. Monsanto also announced a loss of 19 cents per share in the most recent quarter. Profits are expected to remain low throughout the year. The Associated Press reported that Monsanto lost $156 million in the final quarter of last year alone, and this year is expected to be even worse. And I say good. Good, good, good. We don't, we don't need Monsanto. So I, I uh, am hesitant in terms of <coughs> I do not want to condone violence. I do think Monsanto needs to be stopped. So let's just say I'm not crying about this fire. Let's just say that. <coughs> mm. Excuse me. So, gonna see if we can get some more music up here. Um, some more Peter Gabriel. And then we'll be back uh, with some more stories.
review where the news is uplifting and the music's depressing doing a flip this week we'll be back with some more depressing music from peter gabriel uh so good though so getting into the next article and it's a victory for users and we don't talk about too much about i guess digital rights here maybe a little bit um but there's also of course battles being fought about the internet and having access to is privacy rights. So this is from the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is a great organization to support and to follow. And they their tagline is defending your rights in the digital world. And of course, this is a rather new, relatively new uh, idea. Uh, I was talking to my parents earlier today about how, you know, 30 years ago, there wasn't this idea of our relationship to technology like the, like there is in terms of our, our access to it and like what we've created in the technological world and who has rights to it and have who has access to it and what we create online and have access to. So it's really important that there are folks who are also just making sure and working to make sure that we have as much access to what we need uh, as, as far as the tech world goes. Uh, and I feel like I can learn a lot more about this, so I'm happy to help educate myself and, and others in the meantime. So this comes from the EFF, and this came out October 27th. Victory for users. Librarian of Congress renews and expands protections for fair uses. The new rules for exemptions to copyrights DRM circumvention laws were issued today, and the Librarian of Congress has granted much of what the EFF asked for 
over the course of months of extensive briefs and hearings. The exemptions we requested, ripping DVDs and Blu-rays from making fair use remixes and analysis, preserving video games and running multiplayer servers uh, after publishers have abandoned them, jailbreaking cell phones, tablets, and other portable computing devices to run third-party software, and security research and modification and repairs on cars have each been accepted subject to some important caveats. Caveats. The exemptions are needed thanks to a fundamentally flawed law that forbids users from breaking DRM, even if the purpose is a clearly lawful fair use. As software has become ubiquitous, so has DRM. Users often have to circumvent that DRM uh, to make full use of their devices, from DVDs to games to smartphones and cars. The law allows users to request exemptions for such lawful uses, but it doesn't make it easy. Exemptions are granted through an elaborate rulemaking process that takes place every three years and places a heavy burden on EFF and many other requesters who take part. Every exemption must be argued anew, even if it was previously granted, and even if there is no opposition. The exemptions that emerge are limited in scope. What is worse, they only apply to end users, the people who are actually doing the ripping, tinkering, jailbreaking, or research, and not to the people who make the tools that facilitate those lawful activities. The section of the law that creates these restrictions, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, Section 1201, is fundamentally flawed, has resulted in myriad unintended consequences, and is long past due for reform or removal altogether from the statute books. Still, as long as its rulemaking process exists, we're pleased to have secured the following exemptions. One, car security research repair and modifications. Uh, the librarian recognized for need to vehicle owners to circumvent access restrictions in order to repair, modify, and tinker. The exemption removes the unnecessary of whether 1201 uh, liability would attach to a range of activities. And we are joined now, I'm going to take a break from this story, by the old co-host of the show, Molly. Hello, Molly. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Just talking about technological advances and stuff all right and i'm here right on time <laughs> yeah oh yeah coming in at one o'clock yep excellent well welcome back well thank you it is very nice to be here uh was it how was your trip uh very good a lot of learning introspection uh if you're gonna have a mental breakdown you might as well do it overseas oh that's, that's what i say that's a privileged position to be in yeah i couldn't do that i had to stay here for for mine uh well i uh i have sympathy for that yeah yeah cool well i'm curious to hear about uh overseas experiences certainly but, yeah it was uh it was very wonderful it, I, would you like to hear it on air or shall i save it for off uh it's up to you okay well uh I saw Stonehenge. That's pretty cool. I yeah, I was excited about it. Yeah, I visited when I was a kid. I'd like to go back to experience it as an adult, certainly. Could you walk through it when you went as a child? I don't think so. Slash, don't remember. Because we could not walk through it, and I, I um, it was kind of a letdown for me. Because yeah. I thought I was gonna walk through, and it was gonna be. A, super cool and ancient but i ended up going to a nearby hen did you know there's multiple henges no i didn't know that i went to another henge and it was it's a henge that has a town in the middle of it it's very it was it's called Avebury henge there's a lot of crop circles nearby oh yeah 
That makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, and so I've been, uh, yes. Cool. Yeah, I was there when I was eight, not even eight years old. So my memory, even though my memory even of the last year is a little bit hazy at times. <laughs> so the specifics for something uh, 27 years ago is a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, you know, I was I felt very blessed to be able to go and take a trip to Europe and uh, and visit my family in New York and kind of relax and collect myself and figure out a little bit who I am as I approach my third decade. But I come back to San Francisco and Prop I has not passed. And I didn't even know what Prop I was. And I did not vote this time. And I feel super oh. sad about it. I know. Tell me what happened. What happened? What well, was the argument against it? How did this happen? Money. Moneyed interests uh, for F and I against F and I. So Airbnb, like the developers, just threw a ton of money into people voting. There was like all these leaflets in the, in the mail, like tons of leaflets in the mail. There were um, television advertisements against props F and I. Uh, the newspapers, like, they're all kind of in bed together and not the good kind of bed together. I don't know what that means. But Edley and Ron Conway and all those folks put a, they put a lot of money, especially with um, anti-Prop F, a lot of money into getting people. They spent $8 million or billion. Either way, it was a lot of money. Yeah. It was like, maybe it was $8 million. Maybe it was $8 billion. Like, I, I think it was $8 yeah. million. I read it earlier today on the show. They put a lot of money into... Uh, lying about it pretty much and scaring people off it was like no on f it's just too extreme and it's like no we're just saying that you know folks who rent out their apartments should be held accountable and can't do more than you know they have to like run they have to like go through the same like regulations that like hotels do it was pretty much just like holding them accountable it wasn't saying you can't do this was like okay for up to 75 days and then you need to like follow the rules pretty much yeah yeah that makes sense and be taxed yeah so that's what they were saying um, however, there is a bright side to it. Today, actually, on the show, it's been um, positive news stories and depressing music to switch things up a bit, <laughs> um, to even things out. Um, Aaron Peskin was uh, appointed to District 3, replacing Julie Christensen, and Julie Christensen is, like, one of Ed Lee's appointees. And right. so even though F and I failed, there is the idea that, okay, so now there's six people on the Board of Supervisors who are going to fight for the city. So, Yay! so overall, it's not... Yeah. A complete yeah. loss, and also Ed Lee. Like even though he got them, he got like fifty six percent. The opponents got forty four percent, which for folks who had no pri- previous experience in office, that's pretty incredible. That yeah. they pulled, you know, they got that many, that much support. That really is. That is. There is definitely silver lining in there. Thank you. Yeah. Who, who would have thought? Got to find that silver lining. <laughs> got to find that silver lining. Yeah. So. So that's what's going on in San Francisco. All it's, right. But it's been kind of, you know, ugh, depressing. Yeah. Just it's still the same stuff is going on. And not that elections are going to save everything, um, but there is that idea that th- so many people are so upset with what's been happening in the city for so long. There was the idea that, well, if we, we come together, we can change it. And I guess having Aaron Peskin in there, not that it's one person, but at least we have more, there's more of a voice yeah in I, city hall it just feels like every time we get so close yeah like uh campos versus chu was so close yes. and and they are uh politically uh closer together than some of like i versus not i for pete's sake that's very clear yes um uh, well, some folks would be like, oh, well, it's better to have some housing than, than none at all, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, no, we're just making sure that the housing that's that's built is for people who need it. Yep. And it, there's like not, of course, mention of all the empty 
apartments in San Francisco that people are just waiting to get people to pay a lot for. Yeah. Like there is housing here. It's just, it's being, it's like empty and it's the cost is so high. Yeah. Well, I do believe it'll even out at some point. And I am excited that it's close. Yeah. Yay! Yeah, definitely. Yay! So even though voter turnout was low, there is still folks who did go out. So it's not it's not a complete loss, I yeah. think. And folks are still kind of working together and, you know, people haven't given up. And Tom Amiano spoke at there was like a at election day party, uh, and he was saying that like Harvey Milk had to run like three or four times before he was elected and like a lot of folks have just had to, you know, continue running. So it's just because you don't win doesn't mean it's over. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Tom is going to be on the show next week, so Yay! very excited, super excited about that. Oh, I love, I love Tom Amiano. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there are some good things happening, definitely. Um, yeah. Like, yay. So as for the show, so I was doing positive. So I haven't talked about police brutality at all on the show. <laughs> Um, no, there was yeah. a big demonstration in New York on October 24th, and a lot of folks have been speaking, and people, like mm. some folks with um, more, like, I guess, I don't say, just, I don't know, people, like Hollywood folks have been speaking out, and, and of course mm-hmm. it's like people have been speaking out forever, however, the fact to have, the more people to speak out against police brutality, the better, so like mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino and Viggo Mortensen, for instance, have mm-hmm. begun to speak out about it, and anyone who can attract more attention to the cause, you know, the better, even though this has been happening for such a long time and it shouldn't have to get to the point where Mm -hmm. relying on celebrities to, to say what's, what's happening. Um, but yeah, there's a huge March. So I I wasn't chuckling about police brutality earlier. I was talking about you not talking about police. brutality. I just wanted to put that. I can't not talk about it though. I know. Yeah. I was in an, uh, uh, the Thursday before I left for New York, I was in an, an altercation. There was a a man who was the police were harassing this guy on on the curb, and another man was watching this. And the other man was talking to the police, being like, "Why are you doing this?" Long story short, they end up going to arrest the, the man who was questioning them because the situation got escalated. And I ran in between the person and the police, and the police officer just like kind of shoved me out of the way. Mm. And they ended up arresting the, the guy behind me. And all he was doing was just was like asking them why are you you know hurting this person and it's fucking it's just disgusting so can't not talk about it though but so that's like a a more personal level just this idea of and just the ugh it's just ugh yeah not not a fan of corrupted law enforcement yeah anyway so there was that hadn't mentioned it yet on the on the show today so but went through went through like a lot of stories so of things that are at least the nepal elected their first female president yeah so there's that um monsanto research facility in france got burnt down on purpose they're pretty sure it's arson <laughs> okay the, that's what it, it smells like gasoline it started in multiple places not electrical failure um and there haven't been uh, there's like Roundup was banned recently, so wait where it wait where did you say it was in it? France? Well, Molly, weren't you in France? I was in France. Did you? If you did, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I, I could take credit for that. Um, <laughs> where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, no, I got um, the closest I've come to being in trouble while being away is being uh, 
I went, I stopped by New York to uh, see my family and go through my dad's stuff, which is still in the attic there. And then I passed through Canada to get to Detroit. And I will say that entering the United States, we have ridiculous security. They stopped me. That's news to me. Yeah. I'm totally kidding. Oh, okay. Being completely facetious. Oh, well, (laughs) I was going to say, I I had never experienced like an overland border security before. Like I've never been to Mexico or Canada and they are cranky. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like the TSA agents, but like heightened. Yes. Yes. Wasn't expecting that. Not happy people. Yeah. Well, that's the whole idea with like with borders, and I mean, it's like this invisible line that was drawn, you know, years and years ago, and that we're all supposed to abide by. Um, I don't know, but the good news in Canada is that Justin Trudeau was elected, so that's Yay. great. He was very progressive, so that's Yay. some good news as well. I didn't really talk about it too much, but uh, we talked about like with at least because they're talking about legalizing marijuana there and Mexico. The Supreme Court ruled that they're gonna like looking to legalize in Mexico, Love legalize my marijuana word. there. So that's some good news. Uh, played a there's a clip going around. There's a an organization. It's called it's a hashtag Deport Racism 2016. So it's a bunch of uh, young Latino youth um, calling Donald Trump an asshole. Nah. More or less. Yeah, and that's uh, uplifting certainly. So people yes. speaking truth to power and calling out bigots, which is I think very uplifting. Yes. So. Yeah, so there's some some positive stories for sure. I wanted to be making a positive, as positive as possible. Last week was super depressing. It's always it always gets depressing on on the show, but wanted to have some more positive stuff this week, or at least highlight the progress that's being made. And no, on the Obama said he's not going to sign the contract for the Keystone Pipeline. All right. So that's great. So yeah, there are some there are some good things happening, even if it's just preventing bad things from happening. It's still good. I almost feel like I could use some activist therapy, uh, by which I mean that I'm listening to you talk about all this stuff that I am no longer informed on. And I used to be great at being informed on stuff and being active on stuff. And then, uh, I don't know, somewhere between like my own personal responsibilities and then my own personal kind of like finding myself I think I've totally lost touch with this in a lot of ways and I'd like to get back into that I wonder how yeah well there's of course a lot of great organizations around I mean depending on how much one wants to participate in them but there's also like are you talking about more in terms of like self-care and just like needing time just to like take care of oneself instead of like branching out and being in like sometimes like it's like the news is so triggering that it's like one almost wants to take a step away from it just to like for self-preservation. Yes. Yes. So I can, I can relate to that. Well, uh, I'm going to ponder that. And what other news do you have? Well, I went through, we're having some issues with the music at first. So I ended up going Mm -hmm. through like a lot of the, uh, a lot of the stories very quickly Mm -hmm. and a lot of the positive Mm -hmm. stories. I've also, um, so those were um, the main. So let's see. Let's see. Got through the female president of Nepal. Oh, there is a. I don't know if this is positive, but I think it's kind of interesting in that there is a study that, uh, that there's a negative association between religiousness and children's altruism across the world, hmm. and they found the more religious uh, homes that children grew up in, the less empathic and less altruistic they were. 
and atheists tend to be more giving and they did like experiments experiments ooh um but they just did <laughs> you know different they gave like kids like stickers and they found that the folks who were more generous to share their stickers were folks who were brought up in like atheist or non or, or secular homes that's interesting you know i did i was in the community organizing register residency which is the religious someone called it the religious left and they're some of the like sweetest most altruistic kind giving people i've ever met in my life and all very active in religion or at least have a strong religious background yeah but i was also thinking personally i might start living like an atheist like i'll never i have i was raised in a religious home and have it firmly impressed into my mind but sometimes you got to focus on other humans i think that could be the uh maybe that's the snafu in people's brains there if, yeah i think a lot of it was like with the punitive and like with the, they'd be more likely to enact punishment mhm i guess but if i also like i've met like plenty of people who are religious who are like super kind and more mm -hmm. you know like what it's supposed to be about mm -hmm. i guess it's a it's a matter of how one interprets religion and how one uses it in their life yeah so so that was interesting and i think it's also just the fact that so many wars are fought over religion and like that's not a good thing i still think it like more wars are fought over nation states like because you know the canadian border thing but it's really the nations that rile people up. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's, it's connected in a way if it's like this idea of self or like a sense of like who owns the land mm -hmm. and then who deserves the land, which can go into like the religion, like this a sense of identification mm -hmm. or like, or part of this group, we own this land. So in a way it's, I feel like it's connected. Oh, definitely. I think, I think that people blame religion a lot when they yeah. could, when they could blame the Canadians. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Okay. it's not the Canadians. It's, I, Everybody. I the idea, yeah, like the, the idea of like privatization of land. Yeah. Or, or capital. Yeah. I'm always quick to blame capitalism, but usually it's it's the fault of a lot of things or people's relation to that. I would say. Oh, here's another article I haven't read yet. Hmm. I'll get to that. Is it, can I read the picture? <laughs> yes. It says "fuck Christmas." <laughs> Speaking of religion, <laughs> um, oh, it's, but, but the other stories I wanted to get into. There is a. A restaurant in Israel that was offering discounts to Arabs and Jews who dined together. Aww. So, yeah. Aww. So, exactly. <laughs> I should have just said that sound bite instead of reading the article. But, like, that was, so, like, that was, like, positive just in terms of saying that, like, not, just recognizing that not everyone hates each other and plenty of people are friends there and not letting the media kind of <laughs> go into this idea that everyone absolutely hates one another. Totally. Like, Once again, is. for listeners who don't know, we are an Arab and a Jew. We here. are. Hello. We are, and we eat together quite often. <laughs> yeah. Um, without a discount. Um, no. And then there's one more I was going to mention. Oh, 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 what was it? Um, oh, yes, that the uh, the the military has been paying uh, professional sports teams to do like these like paid. It's called like paid patriotism. So they'll pay them like exorbitant amounts of money at like professional like it, like the NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, soccer, professional sports events to do these like really grandiose um presentations for like soldiers like paying them like ridiculous amounts of money to try to get them to try to get folks more folks to join the military Ugh. um so it's like hey we're gonna honor these people when if you're gonna honor you know veterans and it's, instead of trying to recruit more folks why not use that money to actually help veterans who are in need of health care and housing that was my and a lot of many other folks were saying that yeah that's um 
I think I found one of the best ways to describe how I feel about um, the way Americans talk about the military from a cartoon that's on Netflix, BoJack Horseman. Oh, I love... Oh, yes, 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 it's yes. It's very good. Yes. Very good. I, I saw that. I saw that the someone did a, a screenshot of that recently. Just the the the, the speech he was talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I highly recommend that show. Do you want to summarize the, um, the... this? Well, the speech. I I I think I I don't know if I could because it was just so beautifully done. I'm afraid I'd mess it oh. up. Um, what could be like a summary of it? I think maybe a, a sound bite of it was something like. Um, um, it it was all about it was all about uh, honoring the troops. Yeah. The uh, and the way we talk about the troops as heroes and the uh, and the uh, character Bojack Horseman has a line in there of uh, oh I'll summarize it to be something like. Um, the troops are just people, and some people are assholes. And if you send them overseas, it doesn't make them a hero. In fact, it cheapens the word hero to call all troops heroes, when in fact some are. And it is, it's like a long speech, and every point is beautiful. But I think that's, I think that's a yeah. solid summary of it. Absolutely. You feel free to add. Yeah. But I thought it was a, like a beautiful way to express that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, someone was posting on, on Reddit about that as well, just someone who had served, and they, I guess they weren't in combat, but they were saying how they were frustrated when everyone was saying, support the troops, support the troops, or thanking, or thanking him all the time when mm -hmm. he was saying that, like, he, he didn't really necessarily feel like that was necessarily genuine in a way, or, like, yeah. also just everyone yeah. has different roles in, in what they do. So do us, yeah. So, and then someone quoted the, the BoJack Horseman <laughs> episode as well. <laughs> so... Um, we get into the next story, yeah. which I haven't fully read yet, but this sounds pretty dope. Is Ireland having an issue with Christmas? <laughs> yeah, they they legalized same sex marriage. Things are things are going well in Ireland. So this, um, and you're also welcome to read this if you'd like, if you feel like being a, a newscaster. Sure, All I'm right. a newscaster, guys. <laughs> oh, it's nice to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, so Ireland is opening its first don't fucking mention Christmas zone in Dublin. Uh, there's a nice picture here with people walking and the sign says, fuck Christmas. Um, using the ingenuity, anger, and intimidation Dubliners are famous for, a group of intrepid capital city residents have opened the country's very first don't fucking mention Christmas zone today. The idea is pretty simple, and today being uh, October 21st. The idea is pretty simple, explained the head of security at the zone, Seamus Clifford. Ah, Seamus. Seamus. <laughs> ah, it's perfect. Mention Christmas or wear a stupid Christmas jumper and we'll box the head off you. And wow. kick it out onto Dame Street. Oh, I should have done this with an Irish accent. Or onto the Liffey. And nope, that's British. Sorry. Obviously, I can't do accents. Obviously, we'll give you the choice first. We're not monsters. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, stretching from Fishamble Street, Essex Street, and Cows Lane, the modest area's size will provide all Dubliners with the opportunity to enjoy a Christmas-free zone during the rest of October and all of November. I'm just the biggest 
uh, I'm just as big a fan of Christmas as anyone, but not in October. So we've set up some checkpoints around the surrounding streets to prevent any 12 pubs of Christmas groups getting in. We've only been operating this uh, Christmas-free zone since the morning, but we've managed to stop over 4,000 complete assholes from entering. <laughs> it actually says arseholes. 4,000 complete arseholes from entering, um, explained one of the zone's organizers, Kevin Talent. Kevin admits that the in the event of some pro-Christmas pressure groups getting their wish and officially bring the holiday forward two months, so the stretch is over 12 weeks, he will cease his opposition and accept defeat. Obviously, if that happens, I can't do anything. Um, this sounds like an Onion article. <laughs> but I see nothing wrong with, in the meantime, physically assaulting any dickhead who can't wait until the 1st of December to start all the bullshit. Wow. Added Kevin. Pro-Christmas apologists have come under fire after refusing to condemn a number of retailers after they broke into several crutches and schools, tattooing children with the logos of the products available in their stores. Okay, this is an Onion Ask yeah. article. In the hope of the overwhelming advertising pressure exerted on their parents will result in a boost in sales. Retailers are also said to be looking into technology, which would allow them to sear their Christmas advertising onto people's retinas. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. That's why I guess we should vet our stories first. <laughs> but I, I mean, it sometimes with with the Onion articles too. Like, I feel they're not that far from the truth. Yes. Um, this is from the War Waterford Whispers News. So, um, I haven't heard that before. It, it is a uh, uh, let's see. Other headlines include the Coworker Review: New James Bond film is okay at best. <laughs> uh, that's fun. Um, yeah, apparently it's even worse in Europe because they don't have Thanksgiving as a buffer. Oh, right. So they just start, like, as soon as it's even slightly cold, someone's like, Christmas! Yeah, I don't, I mean, I tend not to watch TV, but I was on, and I saw, I did see a Christmas commercial, and I was like, what? It's not even my birthday yet, and usually it's like, yep. that's it's early November, like, hold on, hold on, folks. No, I heard a Christmas carol. I heard a Christmas carol. It's so early for it that. It is all early. That's inappropriate, I would yep. say. Yep. Um, yeah. So when you came in, I was reading an article about the EFF, and uh, th some good things happened. We well post that story on the on the web page. I still have like not quite a full understanding, um, but overall, it was uh, just in terms of having access to, I guess. Existing da, da, da. the librarian effectively renewed the existing exemption for non-commercial remix videos and expanded its it to cover circumvention of DRM on Blu-ray discs. Uh, so I think it's really just having access to uh, the technology, how one uses technology, and copyright infringement and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of goes a little bit honestly it goes a little bit over my head, and I'm not too into like the tech lingo and also with law and everything. But the fact that EFF says that this is a good thing, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I think that's can stand behind that. And it'd be great for me to educate myself more on this issue. Certainly. But mm -hmm. going along with the 
the positive news stories of the day, I thought that would be a good one to read, certainly. Yeah. Well, we can't all be experts in everything. Oh, we can try. <laughs> I feel like I'm, uh, I know moderately about a few, th- you know, a few things. Like, the, the show has definitely helped, like, force me to educate myself in terms of, like, what's going on. I, I will say, as a PSA for reading, uh, and also just a personal note, I have uh, m- my dad passed away have i have i mentioned this incredibly frequently uh but i've been going through all his books oh my god that man had a ton of books and he was the smartest person i've met in my life and he basically just sat around reading that's how he did it yeah 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 (sighs) books are great yep well uh let's see Please song and then we'll be back. We've got the the San Francisco the where well, the transgender film festival's coming up, so we'll just Yay! give a little brief shout out to that. Uh there's gonna be a movie about Miss Major which is playing on well then yeah, might as well mention it now since <laughs> I'm talking about it already. And this is uh for Friday, November thirteenth, so next Friday at seven thirty PM at the um, Castro Theater. Friday the thirteenth. Yes. No 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 no. Uh feature program in a film called Major and it's a documentary which explores the life and campaigns of Miss Major Griffin Gracie, veteran of the Stonewall Rebellion, who has been fighting for the rights of transgender women of color for over 40 years. All right. So looking forward to checking that out. And there's quite a lot of other films happening as well. So you can check out if you just even Google Transgender Film Festival, San Francisco. It's uh, mm-hmm. S H. Wait, S. <laughs> that doesn't make sense to say S H. It's the S F T F F. Dot org and you can find the listing of what's coming up. So I've been playing all Peter Gabriel on the on the show today. Oh my God, I love Peter Gabriel. So we'll go with. Uh, all right, let's do. We'll do Sledgehammer. It's a it's a popular <laughs> one, but it's a good one. All right.
some more peter gabriel some very popular peter gabriel i was was gonna play mercy street and then it slipped my mind mercy street really great song really depressing song so i don't know i love peter gabriel and i don't think it has to be obscure to be good oh no it's just uh i feel like so many people have already heard sledgehammer that i prefer to play things that maybe, maybe people haven't heard how do you think that salisbury hill ranks on the level of popularity. Super popular. Okay. Super po- so popular that I didn't even put it on the list. Sheesh. Ow. Okay. Well, just, um. I mean, I've only played like three or four songs so far, so I'm not even going to get to all of them. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, even though he doesn't release albums that often, he's only released like like two like new, like in the last like 20 years, like or even more than that. Like he, he doesn't, he doesn't release albums very often. Okay. Well, but he still has like a, a larger catalog. Back when he started his his career, he was releasing a lot more music. I have a, hu- uh, a huge love for Salisbury Hill, and I mentioned it recently to someone who I thought would know it, and they did not. So oh. I was confused. Now I don't know. I don't know anything about the popularity of the various Peter Gabriel songs. Thus, I asked. Well, Rolling Stone had released a, a list of the top ten songs according to fans. I mean, I wasn't. I mean, I didn't contribute. I didn't even hear about this poll or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I agreed with a lot of them though. Um, but Salisbury Hill was on there, and apparently he like he licensed it a lot, and there was it was used in a lot of like movies. And, like, Makes sense. So I think that's maybe where it kind of got out is that people ended up hearing it a lot, and also it was off his first solo album, which came out in seventy seven. Also, yeah, seventy seven. So it it's is, been around for a long time, and it is a great song. It is. It really is. Yep. It's a wonderful song. Yep. So one thing about Sledgehammer, I don't know. You know, like one has a. Uh, memories of like did that actually happen or did i dream it i think i'm pretty sure this happened and i cannot find it i was at half price books in berkeley which is i think <laughs> it's still there i know <laughs> pegasus closed there's like there used to be like half price and then pegasus on solano avenue in berkeley and when i was there when i was a kid and as a kid i mean like in in high school probably or junior high i found a book about like secret meanings and songs and it may have all been all about like gay songs maybe maybe not but they said that sledgehammer was about him thinking like hooking up with a dude now this sounds like a roman conspiracy theory that i could make up very that i would definitely support right now that i'd be happy to make up but i'm pretty sure i read it in a book and he said it's about like oh it's about sex or whatever but not necessarily specifically about gay sex i saw i found a book recently at i think it was adobe on 24th street that was about like gay gay music but it wasn't listed in there and i'm like wondering if that was a different book or if it's like this obscure but i'm pretty sure that some scholar or writer or someone somewhere said that Sledgehammer was about him being like, maybe I'll hook up with a dude, uh, which makes me like that song that much more. Well, it could be that it was in the original book and then that he made the statement. They were like, well, if you say so, and they took it out. It's possible. Yeah. It's very possible. And I know, like, Shock the Monkey is about jealousy, and that's pretty clear. I mean, I, I like that he's – I know there are some, like, artists who make music, and they're like – interpret it however you want i'm not gonna tell you what it's about i don't know who that's supposed to be i really don't um <laughs> uh but he's just like flat out like yeah sock the monkey's about jealousy and so people are like okay and sledgehammer i think is just pretty much about sex i don't know i gotta listen to the lyrics of this stuff i don't listen to the lyrics of anything well, i was gonna play uh mercy street which is written for like ann sexton who was a poet who committed suicide and that oh. song is really beautiful. It's like, oh, I think I kind of have to play it now. Okay. But it's just, it's really pretty. It's really beautiful. The context is good. I'm glad I know going into it. Yeah. I guess we can make comments over it, which might take, defeat the purpose. Yeah. Definitely ending the program on Biko, though. That'll be the last one to play for sure. Beacon? Biko for Stephen Biko. He was a human rights activist in okay. Africa. See, I don't know anything anymore. Ah. <sighs> Well, uh, it's okay. One, one can learn. Yes. From all of these, I don't know. I'm constantly learning. There's like mm-hmm. so much to know, though, mm-hmm. and things are constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Wow, that conversation took a nerp. Did it nose dive? <laughs> Did it? <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe it's just Play. more. Yeah. Play me a song. I'll play. I'll play us this. This is called Mercy. <laughs> this is called Mercy Street. Get ready to have a party with this song. It's definitely not about gay sex. <laughs> if I'm sure of one thing in my life, well, then, you know. Uh, but it's really beautiful. So this is also off, uh, so, is album from 1986. And here we're hitting the end of Red Rain. And here we go.
Street by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> Good song. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It is what it is. 
So, we're running towards the end of the program. It's been a very interesting program today. Yes, it's... I'm back. Yeah. It's ni- it's, it was very nice to visit. Yeah, it's nice to have you back. So, got a lot of news in the front. Got some music and some conversations towards the end. And, uh, yeah, some... There's shows and shows to check out. There's the Pam's Comedy Clubhouse here at the station tonight. There's uh, Margaret Gomez is doing Pound at the Brava Theater until November 22nd, so check mm-hmm. that out. And, yeah, just continue on, continuing on. <laughs> uh, I don't have any anything final to say, but thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. And stay tuned. Uh, Global Val will be coming in next with Women's Magazine, followed by the Common Thread Collective. Any any words, Molly? Um, I'm glad to be here. I hope that everyone has had a wonderful time listening to the show, a wonderful couple months, and that you continue to enjoy yourselves. And uh, I think... I think we're really doing something special here, all of us. So I'm excited to see where we all go. Ah, it's beautiful. All right, well, uh, so the next song we'll be ending with is is Biko by Peter Gabriel. About Stephen Biko is a South African activist. And, yeah, uh, he ends his concerts with this song pretty much uh, most of the time when he performs. (laughs) So... Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, so, I'm out of words. Good way to end the show. Yeah, good way to end the show. We'll be back next week with uh, Tom Amiano. Take Yay. care, everybody.
you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good. Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. Join us every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. for Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse here on Mutiny Radio. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, bringing you the best of San Francisco's underground comedy scene here every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. It's only $2. You can bring your own beer and listen to comedy here every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m., 21st in Florida. It's mutinyradio.fm. The House of Pride radio show, LGBT radio for everyone. Funky interviews, funky beats, talking drag queens, and much, much more. It's LGBT radio for everyone. Listen live every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. House of Pride Radio, LGBT radio for everyone. Celebrating the considerable contributions of the LGBT community in San Francisco and beyond. Every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Listen here for hot new local beats by LGBT artists and listen to live interviews. Tune in. Turn on every Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m., House of Pride Radio with drag queen personalities, Tweeka Turner and Pearl T. Are you sick of reading the news? Do you even bother to read the news anymore? Do you need someone to read it to you because it's just so disgusting and depressing? If so, then the Weekly Review is the show for you. Join Roman Reimer as Roman reads the news, whether it be LGBTQ issues, cannabis legalization, prison abolition, police brutality, or many other issues that sometimes the media just doesn't feel the need to cover. Listen in, Fridays at noon, Mutiny Radio. Roman's also joined by activists, community organizers, artists, and many other great folks working to make the world a better place. Have no fear. The news is here. And if you feel like yelling about it, well then Roman will be yelling with you. The Weekly Review, Fridays at noon, on Mutiny Radio. Hello, comrades. This is your comrade, Zach Wiseman, host of government-sponsored program, Communist Folding Chairs, mandated by the Kremlin to occur every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m., broadcast by our comrades at mutinyradio.fm. Sit, 
relax. Listen to my comrades in stand-up comedy march honorably through their cold palancets, and other comrades make fun of them. Because in Mother Russia, if you can't laugh about starving for turnip and beet and attention, you are a capitalist pig, and the KB KGB will visit you shortly. Every Monday, 2 to 4 p.m. Looking to invest in the future of your community? MuniRadio.fm and the Boys and Girls Club Mission Clubhouse needs your help. Please donate to keep the Radio Classroom Institute right now alive on the air every Thursday from 4.50 to 5.50 p.m. Donations are tax deductible. Donate online at www.muniradio.fm or just stop by the station at 21st Street and Florida. That's 2781 21st Street and throw some cash in the big glass jar. Stop by to experience live audience friendly shows every day of the week and know that you're supporting the future of the mission by keeping free speech alive for all ages. This PSA is brought to you by your friends and community partners at muniradio.fm. Hi, I'm Chuck Weiss. If you're an old baby boomer like me, pain is probably something you've learned to live with by now. Yes, there are drugs on the market that help, but they come with side effects and shouldn't be used for extended periods of time. But fortunately, there is an effective natural pain reliever available in this state, medical cannabis. Let me tell you about Alta California Botanicals. They're a manufacturer of fine cannabis tinctures. Now you can take your medication in liquid form, much more discreet than pulling out a pipe and lighting up. Alta California Botanicals offers five different formulations, each one addressing a specific medical concern. There are two that are designed for pain, one to be swallowed, of course, and a new one for external use only. I'm going to have to try that one myself on my arthritic fingers. There's a tincture for stress and one for anxiety. They'll certainly keep you mellow. And there's even one for people who suffer from MS. The cannabis tinctures from Alpha California Botanicals come in one half ounce bottles. Each batch is laboratory tested and certified free of pesticides and mold. In other words, completely natural and unadulterated. Alta California Botanicals doesn't sell directly to the public, of course, but if you visit their website at Alta, A-L-T-A, CaliforniaBotanicals.com, and enter your zip code, they'll give you a list of dispensaries near you that keep their tinctures in stock. Now here's a tip for the holiday season. Keep a couple of extra bottles of the stress formula handy. It'll help maintain your cool amongst all that shopping madness. I'm Chuck Weiss for AltaCaliforniaBotanicals.com. Do you have a great idea for a product or service but don't know where to start? Are you looking to expand your current business? Women's Initiative of San Francisco began its business management training program for low-income, high-potential women in 1988. To attend a free orientation on how you can achieve your dream of starting your own business, or for more information, please contact 415-641-3460 or visit womensinitiative.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. 
Planned Parenthood is a trusted healthcare provider, an informed educator, a passionate advocate, and a global partner helping similar organizations around the world. Planned Parenthood delivers vital reproductive health care, sex education, and information to millions of women, men, and young people worldwide. For nearly 100 years, Planned Parenthood has promoted a common-sense approach to women's health and well-being based on respect for each individual's rights to make informed, independent decisions about health, sex, and family planning. Please visit PlannedParenthood.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. The Berkeley Free Clinic was founded in 1969 as a street medicine clinic, but quickly found a permanent home in the Berkeley community. It has become an icon in the area and has served countless thousands in a variety of ways during its 45-year history. Fees have never been charged for any services, materials, medications, or supplies provided at the Berkeley Free Clinic. Income has been generated solely via individual or organizational donations and government sex education, and information to millions of women, men, and young people worldwide. For nearly 100 years, Planned Parenthood has promoted a common-sense approach to women's health and well-being based on respect for each individual's rights to make informed, independent decisions about health, sex,